So today my guest is Hillis Pugh and we're here to talk about gratitude, the law of attraction, Lemurian lightworking and who knows what else. So thank you very much for being my guest today. Hi Michael, thank you for having me on your show. Yeah, it's good to have you. So first and foremost, like, are you ha- are you healthy? Are you uh, quarantined? What's going on where you are? Well, I am healthy. Yes, I am on a complete lockdown here in the state of Florida. So there's they don't want people going out if they don't have to get any essentials. So. You know, like if we don't have to go get gas or groceries, don't leave the house. And I'm like, oh, yay! So, yeah, I'm I'm up in the sticks in upstate New York. We moved up here back in September just because we were sick of getting bent over a barrel in the city for rent. And I have to say, it feels rather prescient to be in the country now for this. What part of Florida are you? And I I, I practically grew up in. Uh, on the Atlantic coast. I'm on the Gulf side by Cape Guam in Cape Coral, which is just a few minutes from Fort Myers. Mm -hmm. Nice. I, my, almost my whole family is between, uh, Tallahassee and St. Augustine. I know where Tallahassee is, but I don't know where St. Augustine is. Uh, it is technically the oldest city in the United States is a Spanish fortress. Oh wow! Yeah, it's a cool little place. So I have to check it out because you know I'm like literally three hours from every from all the major cities. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and that, that's a good thing. So what are you what are you doing with your all this extra time? Between reading books, binging on TV, and doing interviews, <laughs> sleeping is. Mm -hmm. I say I won't spend the rest of my time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I was just listening to uh, the radio this morning, and I heard that there's a, a an, I don't know if it's an app or it's called Coursera, where people can go on to learn about you know anything and everything. And one of the biggest trending courses now is on. Uh, wellness and particularly mental wellness and how they have had an influx of interest like over a million learners for that course and to me it's like a massive silver lining of everything stopping basically and people having an opportunity to get sick enough of watching television and video games that they're like oh I can't outrun my mind yes and you know, I'm glad that you brought up the mental wellness because what is happening, is, what I see happening is twofold. You know, you have the physical side, you know, is the wellness of the physical body, how the physical body is doing, how the physical body is maintaining the proper health. Am I giving my body enough nutrients? Am I giving my body enough rest? Am I giving my body what it needs to fend off or fight off if it gets to that point if I do get this virus. And then two, you have the mental piece, you know, because your physical piece, you're all well and good. And now it's like, what do I do with all this extra time? 
So then, you know, after about three, four days, this is when cabin fever sets in, right? You get antsy, you want to leave the house. Fortunately, you know, some of us have the luxury of going in the backyard where we can, can connect with nature, can connect with the ground and the earth to really ground ourselves in their energy. But for those who are cramped in an apartment and you know, don't have the luxury of connecting with nature, you, know, you can go a little stir crazy. And, so what I've been reading about is how the virus itself creates this level of fear within us. And it kind of brings our mental state to a place of uh, fear and paranoia. And it's interesting because last week I posted something on my social media uh, a quote actually saying that it's not the pandemic, it's our reaction to it. And our reaction to it has been fear-based because of what the media has been putting out there. And it's like, well, if you get the virus, chances, you know, are you dying are like 90%. You know, this is in the onset before they knew anything. And so, of course, you know, when you put fearful information out there, that's going to create a mindset of panic. And what do I do? And, and what's going to happen to me? And then you go into this protective survival mode of, okay, it's like I got to look out for my family, got to check on my friends, got to do all these things. But ultimately, when you are stemming from this fear-based mindset, it creates uh, so much havoc within the body because of all the wellness that you've done before to help your body to be well and to fend off things, uh, the virus or anything else, it brings the immune system down. It brings all that energy to a lower level to make you more receptive to be ill and to be sick because your body is receiving that information of a fear-based mentality to really take it all in and not allow for any goodness or any positive energy to, to stay afloat. Yeah, exactly. The, uh, the power of belief and yes. either force something to work for our wellness or against. And uh, it, it seems to be <clears throat> the, uh, when a doctor comes to you and they're, they're dressed in white, part of the white is, you know, believing that this person is pure, believing that they are going to honor the Hippocratic Oath, believing that they're uh, clear and capable of seeing into us. But ultimately, if the patient doesn't believe that they can heal or deserve to be well, uh, it doesn't matter what the, the doctor administers as far as treatments, um, because we're, we're basically grinding our gears with a negative viewpoint. It's, it's very real. It's, it's almost, I, I wish they would find another term for placebo as, a, as yes. a very much a power of belief it's a factor in all this it is it's a great factor the belief in the power of you being able to connect to the energy within you 
to understand how you can ultimately heal yourself no matter what anyone else is putting out there, you know, which is part of some of the things that I help my clients with is to help them believe and to facilitate a safe space to conduct the energy work that I do to allow them to know, like, it's not me that's doing this. It is you that's allowing this energy to release whatever needs to be released from your body that's been held in there for so long. Mm -hmm. Particularly now that this stopping has occurred, right? You're quarantined, all non-essential travel stopped. So, you know, for... I would imagine the vast majority of at least the American population that's go, go, go. And, you know, I'm a New Yorker for 20 years. That's super go, go, go. The ability or the set and setting, the circumstances to stop. Uh, It's like when you have the fan over my head and if it's on max and it's spinning as hard as possible, if I turn off the electricity, the fan isn't just going to stop. It's going to keep spinning even though everything around is still and so people's gears keep turning and then they're forced to confront that in a you know and get cabin fever and then probably annoy the hell out of each other if they're stuck with their kids all of a sudden or they're yeah. or they're beloved for too long it doesn't really matter and then everyone's wheels spinning and slowing down but do they have tools to honor that without just confronting it or trying to um just stay constantly stimulated to ignore it. I think this is the major opportunity now. Yeah, that's a really good question. And you know, it's, I see multiple facets of this, you know, when you have people, you know, entrepreneurs and you have uh, freelancers who work from home, you know, their business is their home. So, you know, and people, I think it was Gen X, you know, because I'm in the Generation X where they say they're doing this time, you know, those people, the Generation X people, the freelancers and the entrepreneurs have an easier time to transition into the self-quarantine because this is what we do. We, we are always at home. We're always doing something at home, whether if it's business-related, and then they're able to flip it into doing something for the home, for self. And so for those who have not been able to stay in or haven't been able to adjust to this, uh, the baby boomers and the millennials and under, because, you know, being at home is not anything, it's something new because you, uh, they, you, when you're always out, when you're always interacting on some level to some degree, then it kind of, you you this uh, profound extrovert, mm-hmm. and then in a sense you have to revert or find a way to become an introvert in a sense, mm-hmm. to stay in at home, keep it to yourself, and finding different ways to connect. And as I was telling someone last week, is this is a time now to where you have to find ways to reinvent yourself, to be innovative in this state of quarantine. And I mean, not just for business, but I mean, just for personal too, more so personal than anything, 
because if you're the a super extrovert and you like connecting and you like talking to people and you like doing all these social activities, now is the time to really understand the power of you being this extrovert, this power of you to connect. And the same for an introvert. It's like, okay, well, if I'm, you know, I'm safe at home. This is like my my zone. This is where I live. This is where I thrive. But now it's like, okay, I feel lonely. And now it's like I got to force myself to connect to someone, but how do I connect? And so it's like a really time of deep examination, you know, of really get to know who you are and why you do what you do and how to be of service in greater capacities. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that spectrum of services, as far as gigs, like you have um, bartenders and security people and musicians and artists, uh, promoters, you know, people who depend upon people coming together and they depend upon that next gig to have the money to keep the wolf from the door. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a, a, an entrepreneur as well, but I've, I've fortunately been able to pivot uh, a percentage of my income onto uh, live streaming and, and all of that. But for those people who are, you know, deeply concerned about how are they going to eat, how are they going to bring in what they need just for basic survival for themselves and their family. Um, I imagine the stress levels are extremely high and, and, and bouncing off of the other people that they're sequestered with. Yes, yes. And, you know, whether if it's your parents, a roommate, spouse, or, or a spouse with kids, or just with kids, it's really understanding the dynamic, the new or temporary dynamic, and how is life going to look moving forward? You know, are we going to live in a society, you know, moving forward where there's uh, no contact, physical contact? You know, we're going to live in a place where everything's going to be streamed, and if so, what does that even look like? So it's really understanding the dynamic shifts that are occurring and how you feel about it and how those listening feel about these dynamic shifts and how am I going to be able to earn a living now from these dynamic shifts that are happening in my life. And it's um, really life-changing for a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. And... It, this is a powerful pivot. I mean, for, first of all, it will pass. I think we will come back together. Not all of us. Many people are going to die from this. Yes. Um, many people are going to be forced to stop habits that uh, are putting their life at risk within the circumstances of the virus. Like I'm thinking of all my friends that vape. They're probably putting the damn vape down now. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, people who have vices, you know, or anything, or or maybe even end up picking up new ones. You know, if you put one down, you got to have something in this place. You know, it's also about uh, you know, the willpower, the courage to move forward into something new and not just picking up a replacement for something that no longer serves you, but picking up something else that's a vice to cope with 
whether it's a healthy or not healthy one. You know, just like everyone says, everyone thinking in the moderation, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- this makes me think of, you know, when I teach um, meditation, there's kind of three things that are like training a dog. And there's, there's the ability for your attention to, to sit on an object, right? Like getting a dog to sit. Uh-huh. isn't the same as a dog staying, right? When you're dealing with a puppy, like you might be able to get her to sit, but she didn't necessarily stay. Yes. So then there's your attention on something and then it's the attention's ability to endure on that object. And when people are worried, they, they have no problem with their mind staying on that worry and persisting, right? So then the, 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 it's about drop it. Like when a dog picks up a chicken bone on the street, you're like, drop it. The ability for their mind to dilate, to open, to welcome back in context. Um, I think that this is a tool, at least with with my online courses and what I know that many of the the online yoga programs and meditation programs, uh, I hope that they're instilling people the ability to, to, to open and uh, learn to give a context to a thought pattern that's that's hurting, you know, that's that's just cr- exhausting them with worry and um, only thinking in the way we used to think. Yes, I would definitely agree with you with that, and I like how you put it in terms of, you know having them to put things in context to really to focus on that one thing to have that enduring thought and one of the things that i've been focusing on in my messaging in the past few weeks has been finding your joy and find things that bring you joy no matter how small or how silly it may be to someone else but for you it could be a milestone it can be you know, something major for you. If if it's as something as small as just, you know, sitting in stillness and not watching any television, or if it's, you know, taking that long overdue bath, or if it's just doing some online shopping, you know, whatever it is, you know, that to bring the simplest joy. Because when you bring in that joy, you raise your vibration. And when you raise your vibration, your frequency, then your physical wellness gets better. And when your physical wellness gets better, you are stronger, both physically, mentally, energetically, to take care of yourself and take care of others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that when someone says, I feel better, it doesn't necessarily mean just physical. It'd be, oh, my mind is you know, found a sense of humor again. It sees options where all the doors seemed closed before. And then yes. that, that's a very real sense of wellness. Yes. Mm-hmm. This is what I like to call now, what I recently discovered is unshakable peace. And what that is, is when you step into a space of pure confidence, of pure courage, knowing that whatever is going on, that you at the center of your being, at the center of your core, 
you are well and you are at peace. Yes. And um, I think my mantra for last year, because I, you know, I'm typically a type A person that stays busy to have a sense of self-worth. I'm just uh-huh. opening the kimono here. And, <laughs> and uh, that wasn't getting me anywhere. You know, I would finish a project or get three more projects on the plate and still feel that imposter syndrome, still feel that sense of um, uh, I'm not enough. And my big pivot last year was rather than confronting my sense of I don't have enough in terms of gigs or accolades or money or whatever it is, uh, rather than confront that feeling, honor. Let's, let's sit with this feeling for a moment and look into yes. it. Where does this come from when, you know, objectively, there's, there's the gig, there's what you were working for finished. Yet this feeling of not being enough persists. So let's, let's honor that and then come to an understanding through it versus trying to go from, you know, ignoring that I'm not in gratitude, ignoring that I'm dissatisfied, ig- ignoring that I'm restless, and then trying to go from that state to happy or that state to blissful. It, it just wasn't going to happen. It was kind of like, trying to pick up something I'm standing on. Yes. And I, I feel, again, in the stopping that we're all experiencing now, this is a pivot for people to get real with their reality and what they've been carrying, honor it, hopefully with some some wise counsel of the people that they listen to, so that they can learn to go from dissatisfied to satisfied. Indeed. You know, stepping into the energy of gratitude, stepping into a new vibration of self and self-worth to know that, you know, I don't have to be all and do all. Sometimes I could be nothing and do nothing and still accomplish just as much. I think that scares the shit out of a lot of people. (laughs) I know it did for me when I first started practicing. I'm like, how can I do nothing and still do the same, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> and so that's when I developed, you know, after writing about gratitude for 10 years and really living it and really embodying what gratitude really meant, it really helped me to see how the energy of gratitude and the law of attraction really work together. You know, and, and a lot of people miss that relationship between the two energies because it's essentially one and the same. Because when you offer, when you stop, when you pause, when you have these moments of reflection, you can really step into a, a whole new space and appreciate what you have gone through, what you have experienced. And then this is when the law of vibration kicks in and really brings you more of those like experiences because well most people I just want to make this clear that when we when people speak of the law of attraction they speak of it from a place of 
you know, experience. They speak of it from a place of manifesting because when the law of attraction, you know, was thought of and it's created, it's a spirit, one of seven spiritual laws. And it is now being uh, commonalized, if that's a word, it's very common for people to speak of it. Me too. I know. (laughs) I do. I know. Being a writer, I have a creative license to make up new words. (laughs) I'm I'm down. Um, It's come to a common place where when, when we think of that, people want to manifest the best life they can. They want to manifest, you know, hundreds and thousands and millions of dollars. It comes down to the monetary value of it. But when I speak of the law of attraction, I speak of it from the sense of the spiritual law of the law of vibration. Because everything that we create, every thought, every action is a form of energy, is a vibration, seen and unseen. You know, every animate object to every inanimate object vibrates at different frequencies, which is why we're able to see the tangible and feel the non-tangible. This is what the law of vibration is. And so the law of attraction comes out of that. So we attract the like energy, like attracts like. You know, like a magnet. And so when we step into that space of allowing, and when we step into the space of reflective energy then we give our offer and give our thanks to what has happened to what is happening more of that energy shows up for us yes in um bringing this as you know a death of the parts of ourselves that no longer serve us and having a chance to stop slow down breathe as that's an uncomfortable process you know many people think that well everything is going to stop if i stop or i'll die or i'll lose everything if i stop but you know having a chance to get clear just like if you wanted to see deep into um an ocean it would be easier to see fathom the bottom if the waves stopped for a minute and (laughs) the currents underneath you know chilled out so you could see clearly and uh, having everyone come together in their own little groups and and hear this and and have permission to do that so that there could be an ending of the old way within that person that was frustrating dissatisfying constantly putting them to cycles of recurrence where they were dating the same person in different bodies or the same shit job and in different locations <laughs> and really see that their, their creative power as, as something that they could you know make fresh and bring more intention into yes and you know i'm glad that you brought that piece up because part of the law of vibration the law of attraction is that when even if we put our intention and intention on something that we wish not to experience, it still is going to show up for us because that's how it works. And for example, um, the analogy that I always like to use is as a collective 
society as a collective force here in the states that you know we came up with this concept of I hate Mondays mm. right it's like well I don't want to go to work on Monday I don't want to go to work on Monday but instead you know you go to work on Monday anyway you know for those who have a nine-to-five job you know those who leave their homes the millions of us that do and you know some person one of my colleagues a long time ago when I was in the nine to five said, well, I'd rather just go to work on Tuesday and I have a three day weekend. I'm like, but then you would hate Tuesdays. Yeah, man. That's like removing uh, 13 from a floor and calling it 14. It's like, yeah, exactly. It's, it's this process of saying like, um, for example, I don't want to go to work today or I don't want to be sick or I don't want to, you know, it's like when we, express these lower vibrating thoughts, these negative ideas with words of not or can't or won't, the universe still hears that energy and still delivers it to us anyway. So in that space, we have to not only change our energy, but change our thought patterns and how we approach what we put our attention and intention on. Mm -hmm. Amazing. So when did you stumble into this and, and how has it changed your life? <laughs> That's exactly it. Stumbled is exactly right because, you know, with most people who are energy facilitators and, and soul mentors, uh, they kind of stumble into this work looking for stuff for themselves. And, you know, this path started out being a bit selfish and wanting to understand what was going on and so there was a time in my life where you know I had my own business and lost my business and lost my relationship and like everything was just going to crap and nothing was working out and so at this particular point you know being the person of pride and you know confidence and just I could do whatever you know at this point everything's just leaving one after the other. I'm like, how am I going to make it? How am I going to make it financially to get to the next space, to get to the next step? And so I found the courage, you know, being prideful because that's one of the things when you're prideful, you don't want to ask for help. You don't want it. Oh, yeah. You want, right, you want to put on, you have this air that like everything is good. Everything is fine. I don't need anything. I don't need anyone. But in actuality, those are the ones that need it the most. Mm -hmm. And so during this process, you know, reaching out to friends and family, you know, helping me financially. I'm like, okay, wait, what's happening? You know, and not really paying attention, but paying attention, you know, like in this in-between space of, is this really happening? Am I really getting what I'm asking for? Okay, fine, I'll accept that. And so it was uh, Thanksgiving of 2008 where I was really made aware of the gratitude and the appreciation that I have for my friends and family. And if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't have been able to make it through that year because of the financial help. And so with me stepping into that space of gratitude and appreciation, I was really able to honor that energy, honor that space by you know, sending out 
weekly emails every Thursday to friends and family, just think expressing my personal thoughts and views of things to be thankful for, no matter how small. And then it grew into a blog and grew into a book and just, you know, something that I was practicing for myself to to step into a new energetic space. And it just became a way of life for me that I, I live to pause in whatever moment to have appreciation for it. And it grew into me being a energy facilitator and soul mentor and to be in a service to other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I agree that, you know, we have to start with this in our own hearts. Like you have to take the medicine first before you really understand what you're sharing with others. So I, I'm, I saw this footage a couple weeks ago. Um, it's two people were fighting over some toilet paper. In the store, <laughs> oh no! Right? It looked like it looked like one of those Black Friday sale fights. Yeah. You know, but over some TP. And the the mentality, the energy, let's say the energy within both people, like it's reptilian. Like you have a resource that both parties are craving, and then competition for that resource there's only one package of toilet paper left and i got to get it before they do so right there you're into the reptilian mode of survival which has its place so in, in the interest of like civility as humanity goes through this phase you know of stopping and our systems getting challenged the economy good people perhaps thinking about doing uh, things that they would never consider doing in order to feed themselves and their families, right? I'm talking like very base level needs. Um, how do you see gratitude in the law of attraction being um, a linchpin in preventing basically barbarism in our societies and, and maintaining that um, that code of ethics with oneself and, and their neighbors? Well, you know, this is something that I've seen my whole life. You know, growing up uh, middle class and sometimes a little less than middle class family. And when you're on public transportation and you see someone's phone getting stolen or you see somebody's pocket getting picked, or you see somebody robbing your local gas station. You see all these people doing what they can to make ends meet. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in the beginning of my life growing up, I've always thought it was that individual's fault. Like, it's their fault, you know, they're dumb, they're idiots for trying to rob this store or even me being a victim at one point of being robbed, <laughs> you know, as a teenager getting beat up and someone taking my money to go school shopping, you know? So it's like, oh, okay, this happened to me. And so, you know, we put our attention, our focus on people being less than us. And, and not really living up to 
their standards that we have created in this world. And so when we have these high standards of people should have a nine to five job and people should, you know, live well and prosper and thrive and do and do and have all these things. But when you put out there, you know, the image of what that is, then people would do almost anything to get it. And so to sit in a space of gratitude of where you are, to appreciate where you are no matter where you are, meaning that if you are in poverty or middle class or even the richest person in the world, you still have to have a thought of gratitude and appreciate the steps that happen along the way. Because when we have this image of what society is and what it should be, who wouldn't want to attain that? But the question is, how real is it? Is it just an illusion that we have created for people to, you know, uh, stoop down to barbarism, to stoop down to hurting people, killing people, to doing all these things, to live up to this illusionary image that has been manifested to some degree from the collective thought of wanting and desiring world peace and unity and harmony. But what does that really look like? And so when we step into the energy of the law of vibration, the law of attraction, the like attracts light, um, where you step into the energy of wanting to master your own thought and your thought power to create, it essentially has no choice but to create that in which you think of. So if you think of, you know, finding a way to get $200 to feed your family, then the, then the thought occurs, how do I do that? What's the easiest way for me to do that to where, you know, I can, you know, sustain myself and sustain for my family. So it's all these thoughts, these ideas, all these things that come into play in, in regards to that. So in to, to make it shorter, that when the energy of gratitude and the energy of, of appreciation come in when you are at stillness, you slowly then can see the bigger picture of the creative process to manifest what it is that people are really seeking, which is love, which is validation, which is being honored and accepted for who they are and where they are and as they are. And, you know, I'm just playing the devil's advocate here. Like, I, I can't, Love it. I can't wipe my ass with gratitude. I need, I need toilet paper. <laughs> and and, and this so, is going to get it first. Yeah. And so when you have that energy, you know, of, of lack, then the course is going to create that mentality of lack and scarcity of like, okay, I got to get this toilet paper before she does, or else I'm not going to have anything to feed my, or to wipe my ass with, or to, you know, it's just like this mentality. So that's what it all comes down to, is our mental capacity to understand what it is that is happening. Because, yeah, I can go out and buy this toilet paper. It's like, you know what? I was fighting with you. 
but I'm going to be the better person and give you half of them. You know, because I was appreciative enough to have this space, to have the money, to buy this essential need. And I know that you are in need too. So in my appreciation for you expressing your need to me in anger, yeah, I'm going to give this to you because yeah. this is what you are asking for. Yeah, and we, we both need it and the gratitude for the civility you know, like the basic foundations of yoga and civil society are the same. It's don't treat others as you would not want to be treated, basically. Yes, so yes, that exactly. We can have the the leisure, the school, like scola, the scola for sc you know school means leisure to learn and study and better ourselves and and not just be fighting um, and not being able to trust and relax like gratitude for that and what that means for anything else like of, of the life that most people know um, to continue right this is priceless indeed yes and you know it's interesting because as I witness this unfolding from a spectator space you know being in the city that I'm in, you know, scathing off, you know, the crazy as much as I could, you know, um, but more so a spectator and how people's reactions to the fear that their life could potentially end, the fear that a loved one could potentially die, the fear that life would never go back to the way that it was. It's all about lose the control and wanted to control some area of their life and this is the only way people know how to control what they want mm -hmm. it, when I feel the connection this is, these are all like infinitely deep subjects but uh, you know the law of attraction I believe in it and there is also some kind of like bullshit versions of it like you just have to imagine it vividly and it will come to you magically right like there no almost no perspiration required just be clear in your, in your <laughs> intention and ins inspiration yeah I, I, I don't think either of us are, are thinking of that when we say law of attraction no it, it's it's interesting because my first uh, inclination of this book was, or my introduction, I should say, to the law of attraction was The Secret, mm -hmm. which I call the kindergarten or preschool version of the law of attraction. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, until I really learned about it, researched it on my own, and what I now teach my clients, what I now teach, you know, and when I speak in when I do seminars is my own personal formula, which is thoughts plus emotions plus words equals manifestation. And even though that's, that's the quick formula, but there's also physical work that's involved. And just a quick breakdown of what that formula means is that you have a thought 
and all thoughts are neutral. Every thought we have, we have thousands of thoughts per day, but they are all neutral thoughts. And then the emotional content comes in when we have a past experience that can be connected to that thought. You know, for example, if you were loved by your mother as a kid, and so now anytime when you receive affection for a woman, it's the energy of love. And so that thought of a woman, lady, doesn't, uh, doesn't matter of the relationship, you sometimes connect that energy to love. And so then you have the action piece, which is the words, thought, or spoken. So now you have this thought of this woman who you love, and you simply say or write, I love you. And the manifestation of that is you expressing your love to this friend or stranger and having that returned back to you. You know, and, and that's the most simple form of that because the thoughts are neutral. Then you have the energetic content, the emotional content to fuel the thought. And the fuel then... Uh, equates into the action, which are the words, which are spoken or written to manifest what it is that you are asking to manifest, whatever your focal point is. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I think we've all experienced where we told someone we love them and it was unrequited. Like in that moment, it's not necessarily loaded with being returned in kind. Yes, this is true, and that's why I said that's the most simple form for me to explain it in a quick way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I can always go deeper with it because you know when we have a thought of I don't know, I'm just trying to think of a, of a more complex thought, you know, of of wanting to accomplish a larger goal, whatever this goal may be. So you have your thought centered on this goal, whatever the goal is. And the energetic thought that has manifested is neutral. There's no good and there's no bad feeling about this thought until you connect emotional content to it which could be, you know, I tried to start a business in the past and it failed, or I tried to start a business in the past and it did well. And so choose whatever energetic or emotional thought that you tie to this thought content will guide you on the path to creating the words, which is I am going to succeed at this business, which is creating a powerful affirmation of I am going to succeed, I'm going to be successful in this business. And so everything that aligns up for you to have this successful business, or it's going to be the other way, where you have the strong desire of wanting this business to succeed, but yet you have the emotional content of something failing. Yeah, yeah. And then you do all this work, and the end result is still going to be the failing business because of the emotional content that's tied to that thought. Mm -hmm. 
I think this is where the stopping is so powerful because people can, can get clear on how they've been driving with the foot on the brake and the gas for a while. Yes. <laughs> As like one of my exes said, she said, look, when it isn't adding up, start subtracting. Yeah, exactly. It's like, what can I take away from it to, to make it work? And what I tell most people is that, you know, be general about it. You know, you can start off very specific. Be very, be as specific and detailed as you want about any thought, any idea, any goal that you wish. And then from there, take away from it to be general because you know the excitement comes in when you're creating the excitement comes in when you're adding all the sparkle and all the pizzazz to it mm -hmm. but at the core of this creation does it still make you happy does it still bring you joy and whatever the answer is you just have to follow that yeah and, and and for a lot of the time getting to that you know joyful creative blissful phase can be a lot of work and a lot of foundation setting and perhaps a lot of dismantling yes if someone's realized you know i don't want to do what i do anymore and i got a college degree and i got debt from that and i got you know stuff to pay off that i need that amount of money to do it's like, you know, they're up a tree, but they realize their ladder's up, you know, against the wrong tree. Yeah, And exactly. so having that, per it's an ordeal. You know, it's, I think it's a functional tension to go, you know, I'm up the wrong tree here, which means I'm going to climb down, put the ladder against the one that I want. Now, which one is that? Which requires more soul searching. And then let's say you feel realigned, uh, and clear that feeling comes back you know like the the vibration of the of the lack of belief in oneself can come back in waves usually when it's not convenient i mean sometimes it happens to me on stage and you have to be able to breathe and work through that not give up and stay in that energy of presence honoring what's being felt and um, persevering. Indeed, you know, and to this day, you know, I thank my mom because I grew up uh, with stage fright, not knowing that I had it. And sometimes she would push me to go out and, and talk about what I do and who I am. And sometimes my mom would be my mouthpiece and I would be embarrassed because you know how moms are. She was just like, go on and on and on. I was like, well, my son can do this, my son this, this, my son. And I'm like, ma, come on. And if it wasn't for her encouragement, I probably wouldn't be speaking in front of people today. You know, I wouldn't be teaching in front of people, I wouldn't be able to share this message that I have to share. And it's, you know, always staying present, always being in that moment, being reflective and having appreciation for my mom for doing that. And so it's all these little moments. And that's one thing I want people to understand. It's not really all about these big, gigantic, you know, aha moments, you know, that, that really bring forth this energy. It's the more 
reclusive, the smaller moments, the ones that really define who our makeup and what and what we are able to do. Yeah, it's like when you drop a pebble into the water, there might be a a small footprint, a small impact, but the resonance is greater and ever widening. Indeed. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Yeah. So we are out of time. This has been an awesome conversation. <laughs> And it took us a minute to get on either side of the mic, but wow. Yeah, I mean, I, it, it was really good, and we didn't even get a chance to, you know, really dive deep into the energy work. So maybe we'll save that for another time. Yeah, <laughs> unfinished business. I'm, I'm very interested in all of that. So you have a website, uh, hillispew.com. Yes. And yes. I'll, I'll put that in the, in the feed when we put the, the podcast up. And then you have your own podcast called Light Insight. You want to tell us about it? So Light Insight is where we dive deep into the mind's light, where I interview authors and other spiritual practitioners about what they do. And we cover everything from quantum energy to psychedelics to even having a show, a couple of shows coming up about uh, uh, the Great Pyramids and uh, Kabbalah. And so it's it's a very eclectic show and, and nothing is off limits in the spiritual realm of things. I love it. Well, <laughs> I'll be tuning in on that. And uh, thank you for your time. Stay safe, stay, stay fit. You look like you've been doing your weights. <laughs> I, I need to get moving again. You know, being down here, it's like, okay, what do I do? So, yeah, but thank you. Yeah, I mean, too, I'm going to go hit my, hit my home gym and run around the block. Otherwise, my, my girlfriend's going to kick me out. <laughs> All right, thank you very much. Thank you, Michael. You have an amazing day and stay safe. All right, you too.